As I mentioned, uh, we're continuing in our series called uh, ER, Extraordinary Relationships. And, uh, you know, everybody's in a relationship with somebody, you know, whether it's, um, you know, with your family's friends, your coworkers, acquaintances, and we have to relate and we have to live our lives around people. So we're in relationship. And, uh, you know, what, what we learning is that, uh, you know, relationships are healthy, strong relationships don't just automatically happen. You have to be intentional. You have to work on building relationships. So we've been talking about that in this series. And so far we talked about, you know, one of the keys to building uh, healthy relationships is to make a priority of relationships. You know, sometimes in the, in the busyness of life, relationships take a, you know, a second, third, fourth, fifth priority. And, and so we, we go along life and we wake up one day and realize, man, we, we put our priorities in the wrong places. And then we talked about, uh, you know, the importance of the condition of our heart in relationships. Really, our relationships can only be as healthy as our heart is, right? And so then the third week, we talked about emotional connection. We, you know, we, we want to get beyond the surface in our relationship. We don't want to just exist in the same house like two ships passing in the night. We want to learn how to emotionally connect with each other. And so you could go back and just listen to these teachings, but, you know, I think extraordinary relations happen when emotional connections happen. And then last week we talked about the power of human touch. And we talked about how God created all of us with the need for physical affection, human touch. And if we don't receive that, then we lack in our lives. And you can't build strong relationships without having affection and, and the power of human touch, not unhealthy, but healthy human touch, right? And so today I want to end the series by talking about healthy communication. How many of you know that in every relationship, there has to be communication? Am I communicating to you this morning? All right, okay. So another way to develop extraordinary relationships is to foster healthy communication. Because we communicate in relationships. The question is, are we, are we having are fostering healthy communication, right? Proverbs 16, if you're in Proverbs uh, in, in 16, verse 21, says this, the wise in heart will be called understanding and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. The wise in heart increase persuasiveness. In other words, the wise in heart don't use hurtful words. They don't use hard, ugly words to damage their relationship. No, the wise in heart use sweetness of speech to increase persuasiveness in their relationship. Our children learn this at a young age. In fact, you know, I've talked about my, my granddaughter, Penelope. Whenever she wants ice cream, she puts her hands like this and she says, Gang, gang, can I have ice cream? It's very sweet. And of course, Gangan walks to the refrigerator and gets ice cream, right? The wise in heart, they learn how to, to use, to strengthen their relationships through healthy communication. Here's another verse. Proverbs 16, 24 says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Pleasant words are like Honeycomb. In biblical times, the honeycomb, I was, I was just reading about this and studying about this. The, it was used for medicinal purposes. 
The honeycomb was used for medicinal purposes. So this verse is basically telling us that pleasant words are medicinal. They bring healing, right? They can heal the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotion. And they can heal the bones, this proverb says. And you know, and the bones represents the strength and the support of the body. So my paraphrase of this verse is this. Pleasant words are healthy, are healthy communication, have a medicinal effect. They can help you develop and maintain healthy relationships as well as help you heal damaged relationships. How many of you know communication is powerful? Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends, uh, commends knowledge, but the mouths of fool pour out folly. So what is that telling us? Healthy communication determines the strength and the health of our relationships. If you got that, say, I got that. So how do we develop healthy communication? Well, first of all, healthy communication is developed by controlling the tongue. Y'all ready to pray? So listen, let, let me just read it so, so to, you know, just to remind us about the power of the tongue. James 3 says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn whenever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches but a tiny spark can set a great forest of fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. And it can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. Wow. Come on. I don't want my tongue to be set on fire by hell itself. What about you? Now think about that for a moment. Our tongue, James says, can set our whole life on fire if we don't learn to control it. I think that's important. So our choice of words is critical at any level of communication. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life. The words we use to communicate are so powerful. Many people don't realize that our spoken words, good or bad, they have inerrant power. They have inerrant spiritual power and they have power in the spiritual world. That's why we have to be very careful about what words we use. Remember when Jesus walked up to that fig tree and that fig tree had no fruit on it and his spoken words determined the future of that tree. Remember what he said in Mark eleven fourteen. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the Bible says, and the disciples heard him say it. Jesus spoke a curse over that fig tree and a few days it died. And so... But we might think, well, yeah, Jesus, that's Jesus. I mean, of course he can, he can curse anything, right? Well, listen, we, we might think it was just because of Jesus, but notice what he says in verse 20. The next morning as they passed by the fig tree, he had cursed the disciples, noticed it, 
and, and with, that it had withered from the roots up. I mean, that thing was dead, dead, right? Verse 21, Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the, to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. So what Jesus was reminding us there is that there is power in the words that we speak. We have to be careful about what we say to one another. What we need to always remember is with the words of communication, we are relating or we're releasing either life or death on our relationships. Amen. And you can't, this is like the, the, like, like the law of gravity. You can't get around it. You, you know, I heard a story of a man who had a friend in college and, uh, and he married a very attractive, uh, lady that looked like a model, but, uh, but she didn't uh, see herself that way. She was very shy, timid, and reserved, and very unsociable. And she grew up in a family with four brothers that were always teasing her and telling her how ugly and skinny and, and all these degrading words. And they probably didn't mean any harm by it, but whenever they would speak those words, they, as a result, uh, they, they embedded in her mind, and as a result, she just began to believe these words. And so this guy marries her. Many years later, uh, this, this guy ran into his college friend, and, uh, and his wife was totally changed, and he could tell. She was very outgoing. She was confident. She was socializing with everybody in the room. And the friend couldn't help but notice the difference. And he asked his buddy, he said, hey, what happened to your wife? I remember when college, how she was so shy and timid and, and she wouldn't speak to anybody. And he said, not in a boastful and untruthful way or, or boastful, but in a truthful way, he said, he said to his friend, he said, that's what I've done with my words. He said, I found out that she was belittled and she was spoken to in a degrading, undercutting way all of her life. And I chose to just begin to speak to her in uplifting and in positive terms. Her consistent, his consistent use of insincere, kind, uplifting and loving words totally transformed her life. That's the power of words. What, what have you been speaking over your relationship? Remember, the words we use, good or bad, are powerful. And we're creating something. Our words we use really communicate or reveal the spiritual condition of our heart. How we communicate is really a reflection of what's going on inside of us. Have you ever uh, blurted out something and as soon as you said it, you knew you should, I shouldn't have said that. Come on, am I the only one? And, and you wonder, why did I say that? Well, it's really the spiritual condition of your heart. That's why you said that. If the spiritual condition of our heart is not right, the result will be bad communication. You see, really, you remember what Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. 
An evil man, out of evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So listen, our words originate from within our heart. If we're not liking what's coming out of our mouth, don't focus so much on the mouth, focus on the heart. Does that make sense? So if our beliefs and our attitudes are bad, then inevitably our communication will be bad. Our tongue, our words, really is just giving voice to what's already in our heart. And so when we say, you know, I'm joking, I was just kidding. Well, no, that's what's in your heart. Our choice of words we use in communication, they have lasting effects in our relationship. We can't just say a word and just say, oh yeah, I, I was just kidding. How many of you know those words go down deep into the soul? Once you speak a harsh or cutting word, you can't take it back. It doesn't matter that you say, I was just joking or I'm just kidding. Those words become embedded in the hard drive of our minds whenever we speak those over each other. That's why we need to be so careful in how we communicate to each other. You can't afford to just run your mouth and say whatever you want and think that it's going to be okay. No, if we do that, we'll be destroying our relationships wherever we go. I need a strong amen right there. The second way to develop healthy communication is healthy communication is developed by learning to listen. You got to learn to listen. Whenever you communicate, with somebody, you expect somebody to listen to you, right? Common sense tells you that no one is really interested in talking if there's no one interested in hearing what you say, right? And all the wives said, all right, I knew I'd get some amens there. Uh, you know, I thought, maybe I should let Tanya preach this point. Let me just tell you out of the gates, I need some work right here, okay? So James 1.19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, in this one verse, James gives us three suggestions on how you can improve your communication skills. And, and But he first says, he says, first, it begins with listening. James says we must all be, not just listen, we must be quick to listen. And so as it pertains to the subject of listening, listening is a skill that can be learned. You can learn how to listen. We teach our children that, don't we? Right, parents? And so there's a vast difference between, listen, hearing what someone is saying and truly listening to them. And all the wives said, and all the parents said, <laughs> Hearing involves a physical ear, but listening is a skill that can be learned and developed. Have you ever heard with your physical ears what someone said, but was truly not listening? Come on, y'all say amen. Help, help the brother out here. Look, I, I got to confess, I, I've been guilty of this many times in our marriage. Ask Tanya, she'll tell you. And you know, the worst is when your spouse is talking to you and you respond back and ask about the information she just told you. 
Are y'all with me out there? And she just said, I just told you that. And I'm, and I'm like a deer in the headlights. I'm like, really? I really do believe that listening is an art that can be developed. Listening requires concentration and focus. <clears throat> Listen to verse 19 in the Amplified Version. It says, understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear. And it says, a ready listener. A ready listener. A ready listener is someone who is concentrating and focused on the person that is speaking or communicating, right? And so listen, I believe that, you know, I talked about technology earlier, but I believe technology is helping deteriorate our communicating skills, right? And so because it's teaching us to not concentrate or to focus. And so does it kind of just, just like uh, get under your skin uh, whenever you're trying to talk to somebody and they're looking down at their phone? Sometimes I'm preaching and I see somebody looking down at their phone and then I'm remembering, oh, they got their notes on that. I See, I just let you off the hook right there, right? But how many of you know it takes, you know, it takes focus. I remember, you know, I've told you this story, but it just, every time I think about this, it reminds me, whenever Olivia was small, I went to a, a UL basketball game and brought her with me. Let's go on a date. And we went to a UL basketball game. And so, you know, they're running up and down the court and I'm just, you know, and Olivia's on my laps. You know, she got tired of, you know, after about one second of the game. So she's sitting on my lap and she's ready to play a game. And so she's wanting some attention, right? And so she's sitting on my lap and uh and she's facing me and uh and and so I'm trying to watch the ball and so I'm doing like this and then she'd go right here and then I'd move over here and she would move over here and so I kept moving so finally she grabs my face she grabs my face and she looks at me like daddy how many of you know that's focus she's talking but I'm not listening listening requires focus and concentration so that's why husbands, sometimes why our wives want to walk up to the remote and turn the TV off. Those of us that are children, that's why our parents sometimes want to grab our phone and take it out of our hand. Because they're saying, I am talking and I need you to listen. Yes. Listening requires understanding. Understanding encompasses much more than hearing and listening to the words that are being said. To understand requires you to learn to read between the lines. For example, if you walk into the house and one of your children is sniffling and you say, what's wrong? And they say, nothing. And you say, good, I'm glad you're fine. And you turn around and you walk out of the room. How many of you know you missed it big time, right? We seriously lack understanding in our listening. Listening with understanding requires us to focus on more than just what's being said. A ready and listening listener pays attention to the tone of someone's voice. How many of you know you could say the same thing in different tones and one could be a pleasantry and the other can be a, a, an, an insult? Come on, y'all help me preach this morning, right? They're the facial expression. You know, you say, 
Hey, hi, Tanya. Hi. Well, right? And so, you know, if, if the facial expression can say a whole lot more than the words that we use, right? And so what about body language? Body language says a lot. You know, forget the percentage, but they say really communicating is just so much words. And it's a lot. Facial expression, body language, and all this other stuff. Tone of voice. Listening also requires action. Be you doers of the word and not just hearers only deceiving ourselves, James said, right? In other words, after you've listened to what somebody said you and you understand the message that is conveyed, you still have to act in a relevant and a timely fashion. Can I give you a personal example? I'm going to do it anyway. But, you know, I, the best example I could think of is when Tanya says, honey, can you take out the trash? And I say, sure, honey. But I don't move. I don't take it out. Um, no action. The obvious question to Tanya is, was he really listening? So remember this, listening without action is perceived as not listening at all. Okay, so let me help all the children that are in here. When parents tell you, ask you to do something and you don't do it, listen, remember this, listening without action is perceived as not listening at all. Even though you might have heard it, but if you don't act on it, then you really haven't heard it. James 1.19, remember, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. We must all be quick to listen. Amen. The third way to develop healthy communication is, is uh, healthy communication is developed by learning how to speak. Well, I don't think most of us have a problem with speaking, right? Some of us have a problem with the, the governor of our speaking. Like we speak too much, right? And uh, that's, so speaking is usually not the problem. The problem is usually how quickly we speak and what words we use when we speak, how quickly and what we say when we speak. And so just as listening is a skill that can be learned, I believe that, that speaking is a skill that can be learned. And so James 1.19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to speak means to think about what you're about to say before you say it. Just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it. Amen? Or that it's going to be beneficial, right? Slow to speak means thinking about what you say before you say it. Slow to speak. Just because a thought hits the mind, it don't mean you got to say what just hits your mind. We need to ask God to give us a divine delay between our mind and our mouth. Come on, y'all help me out this morning. And so listen, where you don't, uh, you know, that divine delay where you just don't say everything, that hits the screen of your mind. Some of us need a delay because it hits the screen of our mind and it comes shooting out of our mouth and we say, or we don't say, we just say it and think everything is okay. And so we need to improve in this area. 
to improve communication, begin speaking life-giving words over your relationship. Slow to speak also means thinking about what words that you use when you say something, right? Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's a powerful verse right there. When in the context of community, of communication. Slow to speak means thinking about what you're going to say and using only life-giving, helpful words. You know, I think about this whenever, in this, in this point. You know, I, I think it was last week I talked about, like, you don't go to, uh, you know, to, to visit a family that's grieving in, in the, in the, in the funeral home and just walk in there like a bull in a china cabinet. And just say whatever, like just flippantly, hey man, what's going on? No, you try to use sensitivity. Right? And you try to be kind and you try to be, you try to be understanding. And you're very careful about what you say. That's the way that we should be all the time. By using life-giving words, not only can you change your life, but you can change people's lives and you can change your relationships as well. You know, when we talked about emotional connecting, you can emotional connect with people, you keep gunning down. Now, let me say that again. You can't emotionally connect with people that you keep gunning down with the words that come out of the machine gun of your mouth. Amen. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen right now. now let me kind of just uh, reframe this point. Some secular Japanese scientists they, they weren't people of God. They were secular. They did an experiment to understand the power of words. They used two glasses of water and spoke different words over the two different glasses of water that had the same water in it for 15 days. One glass, they said positive words, like, you know, like uplifting words. On the other glass, they said negative words. One glass, they spoke to the glass and said, you're beautiful. The other glass, you're wretched. I don't know why somebody would speak to a glass of water, but they did it, right? And one glass, they said, I love you. The other glass, they said, I hate you. The other glass, they said, you're wonderful. The other glass, they said, you're ugly. And after 15 days, they, 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 they checked out the water in the glass. The water in the glass where the positive words were spoken, the water was still sparkly and crystal clear after 15 days. But the glass where negative words were spoken, the water became darkened and discolored. The power of words. Their, 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 their experiment just proved really what the Bible has been telling us all along. There's great power in life giving in our words. Right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so I really believe we can change other people's lives by words we speak over them. We can change our relationships. We can change our marriages. We can change our children. We can change our coworkers if we speak the right words over them, right? Listen, we can choose to speak life-giving words and begin speaking blessings over them, and we can choose to speak life-giving words and break the curse that the enemy is trying to put on our relationships. Amen. And, you know, I think we need to start seeing every relationship 
like a fig tree and decide whether we want to bless or whether we want to curse. Come on, if we want fruitful relationships, then we need to start speaking life-giving words. Amen. The proof of our speaking also requires us to pay attention to the timing of our words. Like I was just talking about, when you go to a nurse, uh, a funeral home, you got to be careful about what you say. But slow to speak also, I believe, means discerning the right time and place to speak. It's the timing of what you say and when you say it. Ecclesiastes 3, 7 says, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. We have to learn when to be silent, when it's time, and when it's time to speak. There's a right time and a place to communicate with someone. Right? You know, I've learned that when, when I come home from the office, and Tanya's in the kitchen preparing supper, and I want to tell her about everything that happened today, it's probably not the best time for me to unload everything that happened today while she's got her hands in hot grease or in hot pots, right? Come on, say, Todd, come on, you know better than that, right? I've also learned that if I want people to open up to me about what's going on in their lives, I have to learn to listen and ask questions. Listen more, talk less, but I also need to be quiet long enough for them to respond. Can I, can I just give you just, this is not even in my notes, it's just for free. All right, this is for free. You'll never know about what's going on in somebody's life if all you do is talk. You'll never know what's happening. You gotta learn to listen. And you gotta learn when to speak. There's timing. Proverbs 25 11 says, saying the right thing at the right time is like a golden apple in silver setting. Right words said at the right time can enhance our relationship, our relationships and increase their value. This is the right word said at the wrong time can hinder our relationships and decrease their value. Saying the right thing at the right time is like a golden apple in silver setting. So we need to pay attention to the timing of our words. So we got to learn to listen. we got to learn to speak. Number three, number four, we, we also need Healthy communication is developed by controlling your anger. So this is the third suggestion James gives us to help improve communication skills. Now, why does he connect those three? Well, you know, first he says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We Normally what we have is, uh, you know, we're uh, slow to listen and quick to speak, and we're quick to get angry. We never communicate well whenever we try to communicate when we're angry. You ever notice that? Even soft answers when you're angry sound loud and harsh. When you try to communicate in anger, it never comes, it's never good communication. It's always bad communication. Proverbs 29, 22 says this, a hot-tempered man starts fights and gets into all kinds of trouble. Ever ever, ever met somebody like that? Don't look around right now. Just Anger causes you, listen, 
Anger causes you to start fights and negatively affects your relationships with others. And so we have to deal with anger. And sometimes, you know, anger, uh, we, we don't know we have it until the right button is pressed. And when the right button is pressed, we know we got it because it comes flying out of our mouth. Three ways you can deal with anger. Number one, you could try to repress it, which means that's when we ignore it or deny the fact that we're angry. Why are you angry? I'm not angry. Well, well, it sounds like it though. You can internalize it. You just stuff the pain and cover it up by not saying or doing anything about it. Then you become like a volcano that is ready to erupt at any time somebody pushes the wrong button. And it's just a matter of time before your communication becomes caustic and you damage your relationships with those you love the most and love you the most. Angry people can't build relationship. They won't have a friend in the world. And God doesn't want us to live without friends. He doesn't want us to live without people we can connect with. Amen? So you can try to repress it or you can try expressing it. That's when we're very vocal and quick to express our anger. And some people are good at this. We vent, we communicate our frustrations. But we communicate it very aggressively. And then we feel justified and self-righteous when we do. Because we got it off our chest. We're like starting fires everywhere we go. But the good news is we got it off our chest. The bad news is there's people bleeding everywhere we go. We're leaving people bleeding. I don't think that's God's design either. And then, of course, you can try processing it. And these are the people that don't ignore or deny their anger, but they take responsibility for their anger. Healthy communicators, they process their anger. They don't repress it. They don't express it. They process it. And so, you know, healthy by, you know, how do you, how do you process anger whenever you got it? Well, how do you process anger when you're dealing with it? First, by admitting that you have an anger problem. You know, that's the first step. Take responsibility for it. Deal with the anger and say, man, I, I'm, I was angry. I said that in anger. That was, I was an angry outburst. You got to own it, right? In Ephesians 4.26, James says, be angry and do not sin. You're going to get angry. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, it's not uh, ungodly to be anger. Anger is, is part of the human emotion. But whenever you're angry and it's not healthy and it's not whole, we got to take responsibility for it, right? And then we need to be quick to forgive or release those who offended us. Listen, Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin, and don't let the sun go down while you're angry. And see, listen, most angry people are people who have been hurt and have never forgiven those. You know, people that are angry are typically people that have been hurt time and time again or over and over again. And that's why the emotional connection thing, whenever you notice there's anger in your relationship, you got to figure out why that person is angry. Because if you don't figure it out, then you'll never bring your relationship to the next level. 
And if it's a husband and wife and your spouse is angry, you know, you got to find out what, why are they angry? And some of us are angry is because, you know, some of us are angry at life, period. Like we're just angry. And even whenever you say good morning, you say it with such a good morning. Come on. I know this is brutal this morning. But, uh, but listen, if we, if we want our relationships to get better, we got to go there, right? We got to deal with it. Come on. And so listen, we got to deal with the anger. And listen, some of us, the reason why there's anger in our life is because, because people didn't communicate well with us. And they beat us down and they beat us down and we're so tired of being beat down. So as soon as somebody says anything that hints in the negative, something piles up, something comes up inside of us that reminds us of the beat down we've had all our life. And listen, friends, I don't know how, how else to deal with anger, but to own it, to take responsibility for it and to just begin releasing those that have, that have wounded us or hurt us. Amen. That goes back to the heart issue that Pastor Brandon talked in week two. So you have to release those that have offended you or your anger will never subside. See, anger is typically whenever there's, there's hurt that has turned into unforgiveness, that's become bitter. The worst place to be in life is when you become bitter. Become bitter. Bitter. It's so... So you, you, you skeptical of all relationships. You won't trust any relationships. You got this huge wall around your heart and your life and you won't dare let anybody come close. The problem is you keep God out while you keep everybody else out and you live a very lonely, isolated life. And that is not what Jesus died on the cross for any Christian to live with or live in. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be healed, we could be delivered, we could be made whole, and so that we could learn how to communicate and we could be healed of the hurts and the wounds that we've experienced all our lives. Amen. That's the good news of the gospel. Healthy relationships come about by healthy communication. I believe God wants us to have healthy relationships, don't you? Could you do me a favor and just stand with me right now? I know I just threw a lot at you. It's a lot to, uh, it's a lot to digest, but I encourage you to go back to the church app and check out the notes and maybe just ponder it a little bit. Just ask the Lord to help you. You know, as I, as I began this morning, I talked about, I believe we're living in a day and age where people who learn how to relate and get along and, and build friends, not just with people that are like them or like-minded of them or just, you know, but people that learn how to even get along with those that are not easy to get along with. That they're going to have a tremendous advantage in life because our society is just, relationships are eroding everywhere. But I believe for the church, God wants our relationships to stay healthy and stay strong. Do you all agree with that? And the reality is, man, I can't do this on my own. Can you? I mean, man, this is like, golly, another point, another skill, another thing. I need God's help. Don't you think you need God's help? I believe that, listen, 
the more that Jesus takes over my heart, my mind, my spirit, the better I can communicate, the better I can relate, the better I can build relationships. I need Jesus. Come on. If there's anything that ER series has taught me is I need Jesus more and more each and every day. Come on. How many of you feel like it today? That like, man, I'm a mess. I need God's help. Come on. I'm saying I'm a mess and I need God's help. And I believe that all of us in this room have a to some extent, need God's help. Would y'all agree with that? So can we just present ourselves to the Lord this morning? If your wife is here, your husband is here, would you do me a favor and just put your arm around her and uh, or your children and just, just touch, just connect. And those of you that uh, maybe don't, just stand in the gap. Let's pray for your family. Let's pray for, if you're single, let's just pray for God to just give you, just just hone in your relational skills, that you can just become better, that you can connect with people, and that you just develop the best friends that anybody could ever have. Come on, we want extraordinary relationships, but let's ask the Lord to help us today. Father, I pray, Lord, in this room, I know that there are relationships on every end of the spectrum. Lord, I know that, the Lord, we, we are just trying our best. Lord, to, to make relationships happen and, and to forge great relationships. And Lord, I, I know that each one of us in this room, Lord, know our need for you. We need you, Jesus. We need your love. We need your grace. We need your patience. Lord, we need your power. We need your, your presence. We need your, Lord, your spirit. Lord, we need the, Lord, the forgiveness of God. We need the, Lord, the grace of God over us, Lord. And I pray right now for every marriage and every family and every home and every individual. Lord, I pray that God, you would release grace over us right now and help us, God, to build extraordinary relationships. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're just touching us today. Now, while you still have your heads bowed, bowed and your, your eyes closed, I just want to take a moment right now to just uh, just mention, you know, Jesus told a parable about, about two men that build their house on, on two different foundations. One built their house on sand and one built their house on a rock. And he said, you know, both houses endured the storms of life, the winds and the waves, the floods came. The trials of life came. One person's house stood strong and one of them crumbled. He's telling a picture of whenever you build your life on Christ, you can survive the storms of life. But you don't want to build your house on sand. That's going to crumble. It's going to fall apart. And maybe you're here today and you've never given your life or your heart to Jesus Christ. And today you realize, man, I need to get on the rock of Christ today. I need to start building my life on on a firm foundation, a strong foundation. And if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're a Christian, that you're really saved, that you've given your life to Christ, I want to pray for you before we dismiss. If that's you, would you just indicate that by just lifting your hand, just lift it up high so I can see it. And I want to pray a special prayer for you. Just lift it up high and then just hold it up there so I can see it. If one hand goes up, it's worth taking the time to just pray this prayer this morning. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I don't see a hand in here, but I'll tell you what I like to do. I might, there might be a hand that I'm not seeing. Oh, there's one right there. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir, for just being bold and just being willing. Come on, let's ask the Lord to, to just, uh, just bring salvation to us today. Would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, 
Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood to help me, to help me, Lord, to have a relationship with you. I need you today. I want you in my heart. I want you in my life. I repent. I ask your forgiveness. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you heal me? Lord, would you fill me with your spirit? I want to live the Christian life. Would you empower me to do so? In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for just being so bold. Now, if you raise your hand, there's a card in your pew with a green bar across it that says, I made a decision. If you'll take time to fill that out and bring it into the lobby, into the corner there to my left, there's an info center. We have a gift for you. We just want to help you get started on this journey. Well, I'm still glad I'm a Christian. What about you? Amen. Let me pray a blessing over you. There's power. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. Lord, I pray life. I pray prosperity. Lord, I pray favor. I pray grace over the people of God today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.